from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. With that being said, we do have a, a very special guest on the broadcast this morning in the segment, Significant Sound Bites, and that is Trip Durham. Trip Durham is of 2D Consulting. He is connected with the sports world in so many amazing ways and, and does so many great things. We're going to get into his connection to the sports world and, and to uh, so much that, that he's, you know, with the ACC and with collegiate athletics and whatnot, but he is the founder of 2D Consulting and what he does in communities and how he goes about it is a big reason why he's on the show today and why he's in the segment, especially significant sound bites, because that's reserved for people who I feel have morals and values and are driven by things that go beyond money and go beyond, you know, power and prestige, but actually go toward positive things and making sure that we're doing right by our community. So with that being said, it is my honor and my privilege to bring on somebody who I've spent a lot of time with off the air to finally have him on the air, and that is Mr. Trip Durham. Trip, how are we doing today? Dan, how are you? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Things are well today. How about you? <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing really well. How's everything in Carolina? Uh, things are good. We are looking for a break in the weather. We've been underneath this uh, ridge of high pressure as I break into my meteorology spiel. Um, so we are going to be high 80s today. Yeah. We have been 100s and 90s earlier this week, and by tomorrow we'll be 75. So finally, football weather here in the South. That's really nice. We were a random 80 last week. I'm going to look at what we have right now while we're while we're on the air. I'm going to look at our forecast. So we rained yesterday. We rained today. Today we are currently 46. Today's high is 53. And then 61, 68, 59, and 60. But I will say, tomorrow's supposed to be totally sunny, which is perfect for my nephew's game. He just had a hat trick in soccer. He's about to do it again, I hope. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's going to be sunny and nice, and then some rain in between. So we're finally falling into football weather after having 90s and 80s and some uncharacteristic weather up north. So you can give us a little bit of your stuff. We'll take 75, but I think uh, I think we're going to roll in the world of 50s and 60s at this point. I'll trade you 85 if you'll send me about three inches of rain. We've not had measurable <laughs> rainfall in about five weeks now, and we need it. Well, we have uh, we have plenty of it to give from yesterday, so we could definitely share some. So we're here with, with Trip Durham this morning, and Tripp and I have met through the world of collegiate athletics, and we're going to get to a bunch of topics and different pieces of that today. But first and foremost, Tripp, as, as, the, as the founder and, you know, and, and the lead you know, assist, so to speak, to you know, athletic, uh, a- athletic commodities around the world and, and around the country, you've done so much in, in different areas. You know, if you go on the website, 2dconsultingllc.com, you can see the different pieces that you've helped out with and just what you can say about, you know, what 2D consulting truly is, you know, as, as a business, why is it essential? What separates it to, to get started in that respect? Well, I appreciate the ask. I like to tell people I operate out of two buckets. Bucket number one is working with athletic directors, deputy athletic directors, commissioners, associate commissioners on external relations assessment. 
everybody knows that they've got assets. A lot of people in college athletics recognize they have liabilities, but they are inside their buckets so often uh, and grinding hard towards the end of the day that they don't have the chance to step back and take an independent look at the marketing, the branding, the ticket sales, the community relationships, and see how it is that they're stacking up and where there are opportunities that exist. So that's bucket number one. Bucket number two is working with sports agencies um, such as the NCAA. Uh, There's a sports marketing group uh, in North Carolina that I work with, and it's project-based. So it's just being a part-time employee for a particular initiative uh, that they need assistance with, and hopefully my skill set comes along with it. I don't know that I can answer why it is that I think a service like mine is essential. I think that comes from the, the groups that decide to collaborate with me and, of course, me collaborating with them. Um, so you would have to schedule them as a guest and ask mm-hmm. that question about me. So how do you go about you know finding these places, though, and, and maybe opening that door to an area that you think needs help is it is it you know just kind of putting out feelers and, and seeing what happens within your network i mean how do you go about it because you know as a fellow business owner i know that you know there's a bunch of different ways that you can kind of find your your client base and, and create those partnerships how do you go about something like that well we all in some form or fashion are in sales i think that's part of the human existence as we are professionals. So we all are trying to cultivate. In my mind, it's not about knocking on the door and saying, hi, it's me. I think I have a a service that I think that you'll like. Because the the idea in sales, obviously, has always been make sure that you're listening to the customer. That's the adage. Uh, My approach is the long-term relationship. It's developing something that's real, a connection that makes sense. And then in time, if that agency, if that school, if that sports property, if they have a need and if it fits for the collaboration for myself and them, then hopefully they call. I will touch base every once in a while just to say hi. I think we do that as friends. I think we do that as colleagues naturally anyway. And within this world of sports administration, sports marketing, sports, whatever the second word is you want to tack on to it, uh, we really are a really neat, tight group of people. Uh, we're a fraternity of sorts. I'm sure lawyers would say the same thing. Plumbers, uh, any other industry could say, yeah, well, you know, we also have a, a great little group. Uh, college athletics is a little bit different, and I think it's different good. And so being able to swim within the waters, just being able to connect over 25-plus years with really strong people, I think that's how the cultivation works. It's a really long answer to a relatively short question, but that's my protocol. Speaking here with Trip Durham this morning of 2D Consulting in the world of, of athletics, and Trip, what made you want to do it? You know, what made you get involved? I think that that's kind of one of the questions that I always get is, you know, I, I used to get it a lot. I mean, now I'm seven plus years in, in, into owning my own business, but I used to get the, why would you leave traditional radio? Why would you leave the powers that be? Why would you leave the names that have been around for 30, 40, 50 years? You know, why go off on your own? Why try to create something? Why put yourself through, you know, all the, the hardship and, and, and building something when you can go to something that was already built? So, you know, I, I answered those questions before and, and you know, uh, don't answer them as, as much anymore. People kind of want to know the story, but the reality of it all is there's always the, 
why go do something on your own when there's, you know, institutions that are already set up? So I guess I'll open the floor to you of, of why decide to do this. What what passion did you have that pushed you toward it? And, and what made you say, you know what, I want to go down the path that's less traveled? For those who don't know me, this is going to sound really odd, but I do wear it as a badge of honor. Uh, I got tired of being fired. I've been fired three times as a professional. Uh, one, because... Uh, there were state drawbacks. I was a state employee and last hired, first fired. Uh, second scenario, when I was working in minor league baseball, there was a change of ownership. And as we have seen in professional sports, uh, owners want to bring in their own crew, which I completely understand. So I fell victim to that. Yeah. And then uh, my last stop on a campus, there was a change in athletic administration. And we've seen that over the years as well. But a new athletic director comes in and decides that he or she wants to uh, reshape because uh, there's a, a potential need to reshape. And so having fallen victim to those three scenarios, I felt like at that chapter in my life at 41 years old, that it was time to try something else. A lot of what we do as professionals, we either chase the job or we chase the lifestyle. A lot of people are happy with packing boxes and moving to elevate from, we'll use the college athletics example, a director of marketing to an assistant AD, maybe to a deputy athletic director, and then finally to athletic director. And they're happy to get that, that luggage stamped with all these different stickers. Uh, or you can chase the lifestyle that there's family, there's regionality, there's comfort, there's roots that you've developed as a person. And you've decided that you want to stay in that particular reason, uh, region and then just shape your career around that. So at 41 years old, that was the ladder. I wanted to chase the lifestyle. I felt like I could leverage all of my experiences as a professional to open up my own shop. And thankfully, nine and a half years later, uh, it's been fulfilling beyond all fulfillments. Yeah. You know, Dan, I'm not going to say this to blow smoke your way, but if I'm not asked to exit my last institution in March of 2009, you and I are not on the, the line together uh, today. You know, we, we never would have met because I never would have had certain opportunities. So I embrace every day with the chance to say, wow, this is really cool. Yeah, I've got to go fight for my own paycheck. But Bermuda short Wednesdays around the office aren't too bad either. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and that's, that's the reality. And congratulations on, on nine years and counting. We're here this morning with Trip Durham. Trip. Uh, obviously, we met through the ACC and coverage there. ACC Operation Basketball is on its way. Uh, the the women and the men getting set for the 2019-2020 seasons. Just what you can say about you know getting involved with the ACC, how it all came about, and, and what kind of opened the door for you to be a representation of the conference when we do have the ACC Football Media Days and ACC Operation Basketball, where you get to be there and and moderate and host and, and be a part of that, how that all came about? Well, nobody ever gets to where they are alone. You're always either lifted up or helped by somebody else. And when I was going through my transition in March of 2009, there was one individual within the Piedmont Triad, and I live in Burlington, North Carolina, so I am 20 minutes to the east of the ACC office. I am 30 minutes to the west of Duke, North Carolina, and NC State to sort of map that for folks. So there was someone that um, was nice enough to say, well, you need to contact this individual with the Atlantic Coast Conference office. And I did. 
we had a conversation that led to an invitation for me handling public address for the 2010 ACC Women's Basketball Tournament. And I guess, Dan, like any relationship, if you if you take care in, in building it, if you take care in representing folks uh, in, a, in a high fashion, then other opportunities may come about, and that's the way it's occurred, thankfully, with myself and the ACC. I, I, I'm a bit biased because I grew up in this area. So Atlantic Coast Conference basketball and football and, and all sports, uh, they've been part of my DNA. I think it was when I was six years old and television certainly was not broadcasting sport the way it is now. And I remember walking into the den and my dad was a, a, a student at North Carolina uh, in his undergraduate days. I remember him, as soon as I walked in, he threw his shoe at the television. Hmm. He was disgusted at the way North Carolina was playing. And it might have been against Duke, I don't know. But I remember saying to myself at the time, you know, this this ACC, this basketball thing, this, this must really be a big deal. So it, it's been part of my culture and to be able to be a part of, uh, just a small part of representing the brand of the ACC and being involved with some of the schools and some of my really good friends now within this conference, uh, it, it absolutely tickles me to no end. And, and I don't say that as a pedestrian comment. I, I am truly blessed to have the opportunity to help out. Yeah, you know, and, and, and to have that opportunity to be connected to something that obviously, like you said, you had a connection to growing up and, <clears throat> and saw that connection. And it's something that, you know, you just, you, it stays with you forever, you know, no matter where I went and, and what I covered and what teams I had, there's certain teams that you always find your way to and, you know, want to kind of hone in on it, see what's going on because you have a passion, you have a connection. And, you know, that's the thing about the world of sports. You know, we're in it because we have a passion for it, because we have a love for it. You know, if in anything, you hope that that's, that's what's driving you. And, and that's, you know, where we're at in this world, because at least for me, I love telling stories. And these coaches and these players, they all have different stories to tell and different angles and different pieces and it goes well beyond hey did it feel good to win that game you know those questions are, are not relevant but the reality is you know they, they've all come from different backgrounds they come from different places they've experienced different things and their stories that they tell are so compelling they're so real and and I a lot you know I want to thank them for you know the, the genuineness and, and the candidness of it and, and what some of them have had to say you know probably the one that stuck out to me the most was not this this year, but last year. I don't know if you remember it, but with Dabo Sweeney, he was the last one on the stage at ACC Football Media Days, and and he stood up there, and I had waited a couple of years to ask him about his faith because he doesn't shy away from it. He's not afraid to talk about it. And when he won his championship, not his most recent one, but the one before, no matter what they tried to do in six minutes, he was talking about, the team being a family, belief in God, it starts with that. I can't do it without my faith. And no matter what the reporter said, he said what he wanted to say. He said what he felt he needed to say. And then when I asked him that question, he opened up about it and said, you know, this is this is like a layup. You know, this is one of the easiest things because of what he feels for that. Do you have stories like that in, in your life of when you've been around these coaches and these players of maybe something that you wanted to ask or something that just really was compelling or stuck out to you that that stayed with you like that memory of your dad throwing a, throwing something at the TV? You know, uh, I don't know that there's 
one question. I am purposeful, though, to listen as intently as I can because I think when you're around certain personalities, there is something to take, even if it's a a half sentence, if it's a phrase, it, it could be a full paragraph, there's something to take away. So I think part of Part of my interest is making sure that I consume as much as I can. So I try to stay as in tune to what folks are saying as yeah. much as I can. Uh, the beauty about personalities in college athletics is that uh, there's so much great knowledge. There's so much dry wit. Uh, there's so much surprise in what they say in their actions because of their backgrounds that you have to be paying attention at all times. So, Dan, over time, there have been comments made that I didn't expect that tickled me. Uh, There are things that have happened that I woke up that morning thinking, well, I didn't think I'd ever see that. So I can't say that there's a particular question that I would like to have asked or wish I can ask in the future. Uh, There is a lot of answering. There is a lot of response that I certainly want to take in moving forward. And, and for you, like you said, you know, to listen intently and, and to really pay attention to it, it's, it's, it's funny how, you know, the, the notebook has become the thing. Uh, you know, you have, you have the notebook, you're asking your questions, and there's some people that want to just get to the next question. But if you listen to the player, and this, this happened one time with Jerome Smith, he said, you never have a notebook, I love it. And, and when we were sitting down, I mean, I have like a guide, but he was like, you didn't have a notebook. And I said... I said, right. And he said, why? And I said, because I do this crazy thing called listen to you. And, and we had this conversation about his mom that was like 10 minutes long because, you know, I, I, there were things I wanted to talk about and things I wanted to get to, but you, you have to listen and you have to feel, I guess what I'm trying to say in the business that we live in, and like you said, we're all salespeople and, and I agree with that, but in the business that we live in of, of you know uh, public relations and human interaction and whatnot, there's the reality of the fact that if you are a good person and you care, people can tell. Conversely, if you are not and you don't, people can tell. So it's like you know whenever somebody's like, "What's the secret to success?" I'm like, "Well, you know, it it, it starts with. I mean, you got to have hard work, determination, a little bit of luck here and there." But the reality of it all is if you are a good person who is creating meaningful relationships and caring about the people that you're investing in and they're investing in you, there's a lot that comes from that. And, and, and I feel like you would you would equal that out on, on your side of it, too, that the world is built on relationships. And if you're genuine, well, then there's a future. If you're not, well, eventually we know what happens. Certainly. High road, right? Yeah, I mean, you always have to take the high road and things. So speaking of the high road, I want to get your thoughts about this and about where things have gone on with SB 206, State Bill 206 in California. Uh, It obviously is at a place where uh, college athletics is, is potentially going to change forever. This bill will take effect in 2023 if they can get everything set up and and, and everything's concrete and done and ready to go in California. It forces the federal government to take a look. I mean, it, it, I mean, the states have to kind of fall in line and figure this out, but is it going to be a blanket deal? Is it going to go state by state? I have had so many conversations about this, and I can only imagine that this is going to continue to unravel as we go. 
I had one last night, walked into a local business in central New York and was talking to the owner there. And we had about 10 different, 12 different, 17 different angles in, in a 20 minute conversation. So you kind of, you know, broad scope of it. What do you think about State Bill 206 in California? What does it mean in, in your opinion and, and kind of just what your reaction was to seeing California want athletes in college to find a profit somewhere with their image and likeness and whatnot and have the opportunity to hire agents as well? I think during the course of the existence of any membership organization, you're going to experience change, and whether that's from outside entities or that's from the members themselves. There's always going to be a conversation. California obviously has decided that it wants to be sort of the bell cow in the conversation, not that maybe that was their intent, hey, we're going to be the first state ever, but they're certainly the first one out of the gates to get other folks talking. Um, While I certainly have read the Senate bill, and while I certainly understand the intent behind it, uh, I wonder how much thought has been given to the institution's and we're just going to use California as an example now as other states are, are starting to consider it. Uh, I wonder how much California looked at those schools that have had a history of, I'll say, struggling uh, with athletics. Uh, did the Senate, did the governor think about the non-revenue sports? Um, obviously football and men's and women's basketball and to a point baseball are sort of the revenue drivers at institutions, uh, how much thought was given beyond those one or two percent of the student athletes that could be affected by this? Um, The example that I keep coming back to, and I have vacillated between women's volleyball and men's soccer, partly because their squads are are fairly small. Uh, This is a bill, and these are steps that other states are considering that will affect volleyball and then soccer again my muse uh, smaller uh, smaller staffs smaller player rosters you have a dynamic personality in most cases that is sort of that lead star athlete for those two sports that star athlete will have an opportunity to leverage name likeness personality anything that goes within that that confine of a human existence they'll be able to leverage that and if one student athlete's able to do that, but his or her teammate, 13 or 14 spaces down on the bench, can't do that. And if you all happen to be in the age range of 18 to 22 years old, uh, there are personality conflicts that I think will develop that I don't know that are going to be, at least in the short run, healthy for the industry of college athletics. Uh, if you think about the old baseball analogy that you've got a minor leaguer that's a bonus baby and he's able to eat steak and lobster while being on the road while one of his teammates is still eating peanut butter and jelly. Uh, That creates a a bit of a personality rift. And for an 18-year-old, whether it's volleyball or men's soccer, again, my muse, uh, for someone to have to reconcile that that person over there is able to go to ABC Company and be a social media trendsetter and be paid by that company to do it. And how come I don't get a chance? And am I not good looking enough? Uh, Do I not have the skills that somebody's looking for? I think that creates um, an inner team conversation that could be 
fairly detrimental. So to your point about talking to your business owner last night, 17 topics in 20 different in 20 minutes, 17 different angles in 20 minutes. I think there are uh, hundreds of ways to cut this. Yeah. Uh, but that, that team relationship, that, that's where I keep falling, falling down on it. Well, and that's the thing is, is you look at, you know, you look at across sports, what the discrepancy is going to be from Olympic sports to football to basketball. You look at institutions of, you know, is there going to be a cap or can Alabama offer more than Syracuse can? Can Syracuse offer more than Boise can? And then there's markets, you know, the, the California market. USC's team is not as good as Clemson, but if you go over, over to California and you're by Hollywood and you have all the opportunities over there that you're not going to have in South Carolina. So there's there's so many different pieces that go to this, and then there's men's sports and women's sports, and are we going to close the gap of some of the problems that we have? Are we going to widen the gap? So at the end of the day, the NCAA is it says it's not for profit, but it makes billions of dollars on the and these players never see any of that money, but they go to school for free and they have stipends. And if you're in the autonomous five, there's more that comes with being in those conferences, as you know. So I, I just I feel like the NCAA has skated by long enough getting away with things, but at the same time, I just I feel like no matter like you said and like and I, I had said before, there's so many different pieces to this lasagna that I don't know how we're going to be able to stomach it all. And, and that's that's where I'm kind of at right now is every conversation brings about another. But Dan, what about this? So I, I, I don't know if this is going to shake out good or bad, but it, it just seems like it's a conversation that's, that's now no longer just a conversation. It's a bill and there's a reality to it. And I can only imagine that the air of this is going to be around ACC operation basketball and probably conferences all over the country. I'm a huge fan of the amateur model uh, to sound somewhat pedantic. I think it's really cool that, it separates us from the rest of the world. There is no other college athletic model like what we have. And whether the association is the NCAA, whether it's the NAIA, if it's JUCO, it doesn't matter. We, are, we have separated ourselves, and I think in a very positive way, since the late 1800s. Uh, where I, I fear is that we are going to get to a place to where we don't have a stable membership model. Um, we have one state that has signed a bill. We obviously have seen the rhetoric over the last couple of days that there are other states considering a bill. Uh, we are going to be fragmented fairly quickly, and I think that that is going to be an affront to what we have built in our personality as amateur sports and I think that is going to be a strike against our country. I think it'll be a strike in the eyes of other people. Um, I, I, I'm sort of, uh, I'm interested, I'm disappointed, I'm, I'm sad, I'm curious. Um, this road is going to be um, a strange one to walk down. Absolutely, and I, and I agree with you on this one. And. You know, can't say that in the last few seasons, collegiate athletics hasn't made things interesting. So that coming from Trip Durham here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Trip, uh, any final notes at getting ready for the ACC? Any thoughts on, you know, we have 15-member schools in basketball. Obviously, the season is right upon us. We know that there are extra conference games now that are coming up. There's early games. The 
First game that Syracuse will play in the Carrier Dome is against Virginia right out of the gate. And we know that preseason in, is moved up. Every, I mean, it seems like November used to be the start of the season. And now it's the beginning of October is essentially the start of everything. And, and it keeps getting earlier and earlier. It seems to be expanding. The ACC is, is expanding its 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 schedule, obviously, within these member schools. Just what your take is on the changes here now and the fact that, you know, the ACC itself with the network, the digital network, the linear network, as well as the fact that, you know, they, they're, they're here in, in a new schedule. There's been changes inside of this conference in the last few seasons that are palpable and real, and they're about to, they're about to hit the ground. Yeah, I think the brand of the Atlantic Coast Conference continues to elevate. It continues to become stronger. And I say that from not only watching as an end user, but also watching some of the movements made by those stakeholders who are responsible for helping to represent and to strengthen that brand. So I think that the league is in a great place. With basketball, you've got so much to build on. Obviously, you've got a defending national champion. You've got all of these NBA draft picks that have come out of the 18-19 season and have laid a great foundation for others to succeed for 1920. Um, Florida State continues to be strong. Clemson, uh, uh, still Brad Brunell, uh, a great testament to what he's been doing and signing a, a longer-term contract not too long ago. Syracuse, uh, a bevy of returners that I think are going to give Coach Beheim uh, a little bit of extra pop this year. Obviously, his son Buddy, a sophomore, having gone through one year of the league, is going to be stronger both mentally and physically. Uh, Dolajai has really come into being a stable player for Coach Beheim, Sidibe uh, also. So I think there are a lot of great components with the Orange. Uh, Duke is going to continue to be Duke. I think North Carolina will be the same. I'm really interested to see uh, how well somebody like Markel Johnson starts to elevate within the program of Kevin Keats. There's a lot of great conversation. Chris Likes at Miami, right? 5'9", 157 pounds, dripping wet. Just a fun water bug to watch on the floor. And then on the women's side, Obviously, Notre Dame having the strength that they have. Virginia Tech making more and more noises on the women's side. Wake Forest still trying to get over the injury bug that Jen Hoover has experienced over the last couple of years. I think there are a lot of great stories for the 1920 season. I can't wait to see how it all plays out come March and what we're looking at, who we're looking at, and all the success that the league has. Uh, coming from Trip Durham of 2D Consulting, speaking on the world of athletics here this morning. Trip, as always, uh, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, happy to finally get to do it here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and I look forward to seeing you in the in the great state of North Carolina very soon. So am I going to see you on Tuesday or not? You are going to see me, yes. Outstanding. You get the first <laughs> question of the first session. There you go. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. All right, team. Thank you. All right, take care. That coming from Trip Durham once again here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Hanging out with us here this morning of 2D Consulting. You can check him out on 2dconsultingllc.com. Uh, helping out schools across the country and institutions across the country to you know really make sure that they are organized, that they have their message set. They have different pieces here. And you, know, you could go on to 2D Consulting and really see what that is. It, it can be something different for everyone. 
which, you know, I find really plays to what I do because, you know, Wake of Call with Dan Tortora and Super Powered Pop with Dan Tortora and Dan on Disney and our trivia and our game show nights and everything that we do, you know, really is making Dan Tortora broadcast media something potentially different for different people and different businesses. So, you know, when when you are a jack of all trades and, and you can do a bunch of different things, you know, it, it does help you out to really be able to mold yourself to to help out different people in the community different ways. And it keeps it lively and interesting. You know, it keeps life interesting because I'm doing different things in different places. So I'm never doing the same thing every single day. And even with the show, we branch out, we change it up, we add things, we move things and, you know, it makes it fun. So with that being said, I appreciate you listening in and I appreciate Trip being a part of the show today. And I also want to thank Carvel DeWitt for the annoying moment of the week. And, you know, just to get back to it, since we we cut it when we when we brought on uh, Trip there, we cut it kind of hard stop, you know, to go and, and reach back to the annoying moment of the week. And just to to make make mention of this, it is important in life to understand that everybody has a bad day. Everybody, you know, has a rough moment. We all go through hardships. But it's important to not be the person that looks behind and says, oh, geez, I really screwed that up. I wish I could have fixed that. It's important for the person that look and, and to not be the person that looks behind and says, oh, I should have I should have done something or the person that looks ahead and says what's going to happen. But to really just all be the people that live in the now and live in the if I appreciate what I have right in front of me right now and I appreciate what God has given me and what's in my life right now whatever you believe in, that you take the time to really say thank you and to treat it as such while you have it. Because there's no guarantee that we will have what we have forever if we don't appreciate it. So, I mean, that's really what the annoying moment of the week was 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 reaching at and going to is the fact of the matter of appreciate what you have while you have it Make the most of it. Do right by it because just because somebody gave you a gift doesn't mean you can't break it, right? You know, how many times as a kid did somebody give you a toy? It was a gift, right? But you broke it. And sometimes we broke it on purpose. Sometimes we broke it on accident. But how many of us fix it and how many of us leave it broken and go, oh man, I wish I would have fixed that. I wish I had that toy. So, you know, I, I don't like to live in the world of regret and I don't like to live in the world of I should have, you know, should have, would have, could have. So I just hope that the people that are listening and the people that are watching understand that if you don't appreciate what you have, you can eventually lose it. And if you appreciate what you have, well, then you stand to have the opportunity to live the life that you dreamt of and hopefully even better. So my hope for you today, tomorrow, and every day is to not live the life that you expected, but to live a life that's better than your wildest dreams.